This is The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to uh, this week's podcast. This is Patrick Donahoe, and we are on episode 155. And you know what? I thought it'd be really cool to talk about Pokemon today. And I brought <laughs> the Pokemon expert, Jeff Hadamio. Jeff, are you the Pokemon expert? You are now. We just got briefed on what Pokemon is. Yeah. So do you feel like you're an expert? Do you, are you going to go download the app when, when you get home? I may. I may. <laughs> no, we're not going to. We may, we may drop some Pokemon in, in, uh, in the podcast today. But, uh, but no, we're going to. Jeff and I are going to talk uh, a little bit about his background. Jeff uh, has, has come on board recently, and him and I have known each other since 2009, right? Fall of 2009. Yeah. And he's a, a really cool guy. And I can't wait for you guys uh, to hear his background and his story. And we're going to kind of dive into. And, and Pokemon's going to kind of work its way in for a specific uh, reason. And that reason is be ju- be just because how, you know, we crazy human beings behave sometimes. And often we don't really consider the financial aspect of things. And so, uh, so Jeff, you and I are going to talk about that. We may, I'm going to talk about uh, the, the jelly bean video. Have you heard, do you have you ever heard, seen the, the jelly bean video? No. Where it like breaks down our entire life into jelly beans. So mm, one jelly no. bean for each day that we're alive, and it segments like jelly beans into you know the amount of jelly beans when we're in the bathroom, amount of jelly beans sleeping, working. Anyway, we'll drop some of that too. <laughs> <laughs> Are you excited? <laughs> I'm stoked. So man. this is this is kind of like the shotgun approach, right? So you're you're uh, this is podcasting 101 shotgun. Okay, baby. All right, so uh, so Jeff, you and I, you know, we. Uh, we have a lot of things in common, right? And uh, and I think that's really why we hit it off when we uh, when we first met. But why don't you give the listeners your you know brief brief background, just personal background, and then professional background? Okay, so um, my business background is uh, basically I started in the insurance industry in January of '98, mm-hmm. and uh, started by learning kind of a lot of the traditional methods and how so things traditional financial planning yeah traditional yep. financial planning mm-hmm. for sure and then i obviously went out and taught that and and you know build up a client base with that um and then several years into it i ran across um some kind of alternative methods mm-hmm. alternative ways of doing things with your money mm-hmm. and i actually uh it kind of went against everything i've been taught <laughs> So, as a right fighter that I was, I decided a to right go, fighter. A right fighter. I like that. That's right. I decided to go disprove it. Hmm. Um, so, um, I actually invited one of the guys uh, over to kind of find out more about it and find out what they were really totally teaching. Mm-hmm. And and then after doing some research and 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 running some numbers myself and doing a bunch of stuff, I realized that it actually was right. A lot of it and. So it made it really hard to continue doing what I was doing with clients hmm. uh, because of the some of the significant differences um, in what I was teaching versus what what was right. So I like the right fighter thing. So I've never heard of that before. So <laughs> My the, wife calls me the right fighter. The right fighter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So and there's something you know there's something there's something compelling about it. Maybe this is just you know my my personality, but I. I love the underdog. I love when the underdog, like you know, toes the line and they r- rise to the challenge, and and then they overcome the you know the the, 
the favorite, right? Or the right. favored. So, so looking at the right fighter, I mean, you, so you got into kind of the traditional financial planning, which is, you know, a balanced portfolio and you put this percentage into bonds and this percentage in the stocks, depending on your age, you do, you know, so anyway, you, you got into that kind of, yep. you know, that whole, that whole model and you came across something that was different, which essentially was the underdog towing the line to this, this dominant financial planning model. And then you, you decided to leave where you were and and gravitated toward there. What when uh, what year was that? Do you remember? Probably about two thousand and two ish. Two thousand two. Okay. So I two, so right after the crap hit. The it was fan four to five the, years that I spent doing that. Got it. Yeah, I'd been through nineteen or through two thousand and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was probably about then. Okay. So then you gravitated, mo- moved on, and then so how long? So so from there. You were practicing this kind of economic-based uh, planning model, uh, and obviously, you know, still kind of using it for financial planning, not the traditional. Uh, and then from there, what uh, what happened? It's actually funny. I, I got to stop you and go back a little bit. Yep. They actually, um, the way that the company that I was involved with taught and, and put things together, yeah. they actually wouldn't allow me oh, to teach know. those things. Oh, really? Yeah, huh. uh, the compliance department, everything. They they wanted not really the compliance, but they wanted um, everything to be their way, and Interesting. and use their systems, their yeah. softwares, their planning, and they wouldn't actually even allow me to do some of the things. And I hmm. talked to compliance a bunch and said, you know, can I do this and and that and the other, and they just poo pooed the whole thing. Wow. And so I actually had to leave because wow. I didn't feel comfortable continuing to do it that way because it didn't make sense. But you couldn't, but they wouldn't I, let you do it. I was switching how I was running my own yeah. finances. So they wouldn't let me do it. So I was actually kind of almost forced in a way to change it up. So I kind of oh. went on my own and became a Lone Ranger. In- interesting. Do you, so this was, you know, this was with one planning model. I've heard about this with a lot of, with other planning models too, but is that, is that commonplace with like your, you know, your Charles Schwab or your Fidelities, your Wells Fargo advisors, or, you know, the different planning groups out there, if they kind of find this new, you know, this new technique or this new way of making money or protecting money or whatever, you know, do they look fondly on those, uh, when an advisor goes out and finds something on their, on their own? Uh, no, <laughs> no, not at all. They definitely, they definitely want to keep you in your box and it's what they're comfortable with. And and from a business standpoint, it makes sense because it's a compliance thing. They want to, they want to keep everybody in line doing the same thing, saying the same things, um, to, to stay off the radar, uh, and keep themselves out of trouble as much Mm -hmm. as possible is kind of, I think the purpose of that. So from a business Mm -hmm. standpoint, it makes sense, but as a, as a, as a planner planning with folks, it it could be difficult, if but also for like a, an actual client, right? Somebody that's receiving financial advice, right? If there is something that's better, and now their advisor is not permitted to actually use it, you know, they're they're worse off. And I think this is yep. you know this is like kind of the catch twenty two with regulation and compliance, right? Which is you know the world evolves, things get better, things change, but yet you know the compliance kind of keeps things tempered so that you know. Ad- adapting to those changes becomes very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, w- I look at, you know, just kind of the history of, of finance, especially over the last 30, 40 years. And, you know, really you have, 
you have this uh, control center of Wall Street, which essentially is is kind of dictating uh, the the money flows. And because of how large these institutions are and how much money they're making, how much money they're managing, uh, really, I understand why there's compliance. But at the same time, there's such a big opportunity cost for the end person, right, which is the person that's you know working nine to five, trying to save for retirement. You know, they're, they're really the ones that are paying the price, unfortunately. So you saw that, yep. right? You saw that and then became a, a, a right fighter or freedom fighter. <laughs> I guess you can't say freedom fighter because of the context there. But uh, but right fighter. And so you kind of diverted and went Lone Ranger, went uh, independent. Yep. So how long did you, I mean, how long were you independent for? I mean, you're still independent to an extent, so it's really yep. never changed. Yep, it hasn't. So however many years that is, since about 2000. 2003 i think something like that so cool long time that's well yeah it's 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 impressive right to be to be independent right and to you know go out and uh you know find people to teach especially when it's against the grain yep right it's not it's not not the easiest thing to to do right so what's what what have been some of your your challenges there because in the beginning it was kind of this like Okay, you you saw, ooh, this is wrong, this is wrong. Oh, I can do better here and here. But then when you go and actually try to, you know, tell people about it, what was some of your experience? So probably some of the challenges, the biggest challenges, um, you know, when you when you have a discussion with somebody, um, uh, might be lack of time that that they want to take to educate themselves further. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's that's an issue. Um, uh, sometimes they don't want to know what they're doing is not good. In other words, there's better ways to do it. Um, a lot of times that's the case. Nobody likes to be told that, that, that they're wrong or they're doing something wrong. Yep. So that's probably the biggest, probably the biggest hurdle because mm-hmm. a lot of people just did, you know, are doing things the traditional way they were always taught, right? Max out your 401k, pay off your house as fast as you can. Yep. Um, you know, put excess uh, into a Roth. Yeah. Put money into Roth and, yep. you know, so it's just, it's just, um, that's probably the biggest thing is, hmm. is people not wanting to hear. So it's a delicate, it's a delicate thing when you're telling somebody that, that they're wrong. It's kind of like something they yeah. always believe to be true. Mm-hmm. And then they find out it's not, but a lot of people don't want to find that out. Well, I mean, it's it's it, I mean, that's kind of the the direction we'll take this conversation as far as human behavior is concerned, right? But what what compels people to change, right? When when you make a significant change, and this you know what we do is is a significant change. When you basically go to a person and say, hey, you've been doing this for the last you know X number of years, and I'm you know telling you that you need to be doing this, right? To make that type of change and have a paradigm shift, I mean, it's not this. Oh, okay, you know, well, let's let's do it. I mean, there has to be a uh, a, a tremendous amount of pain uh, associated mm-hmm. with keep you know uh, to continue to do the same thing, or an extreme amount of pleasure, right? To 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 do it, right? And typically the 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 easier route, the route that most you know marketing organizations take is is the fear based route, right? They try to scare the crap out of you so that you will stop doing that and start doing this, yeah. right? And and it's and that's just kind of how how we're wired as as human beings. I mean, we make so many decisions and really when it comes to a significant decision that affects short term and long term, it has to be for a very uh, compelling reason, right? So so maybe talk as you, you know, 2001 uh, was, you know, the dot com crash. Uh, and then you, you know, kind of have had a recessionary period there. Uh, and then 2008, we had another big, big crash. What are you, what are you, you know, during those times, it's pretty easy, right? Mm-hmm. There, people lost 20%, 30%, 40%, right? They're struggling. They're, they're out of a job and they're saying, holy crap, 
things are bad. I need to make some changes, right? During those low moments, that's when it's, you know, I think easier and people are more open to Mm -hmm. alternatives. Okay. But when you get into times like we're in right now, when, you know, the S&P is hitting all time highs, the, the, the Dow is hitting all time highs, you know, you have this kind of perceived sense of prosperity. People are like, eh, my 401k is up, you know, my portfolio is up. You know, don't don't tell me, you know, that I need to, to be changing. What have you found, you know, like r- right now, what are what are some of the challenges that you're facing when it comes to actually getting people to to be open to these ideas? Well, that's a good question. Um, so you're right on about that. You know, in bad times, people are more open and in good times, they're more closed. Yep. I mean, simple as that. Um, and in fact, sometimes even in bad times, people are still almost too prideful as well to make changes, yeah. you know, so pride's a big thing, yep. I think. Um, and, and a lot of people don't want to, don't want to act like, oh, they didn't know about this. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably another big thing. Yep. Um, so, so, you know, uh, as far as working with folks in good times right now, um, you know, I guess, I guess you got to find people that are a little bit more open-minded mm-hmm. and, and maybe want more out of life and maybe, um, maybe just going along with status quo and, you know, just rolling in the market and mm-hmm. those other types of things, maybe, uh, having discussions about, um, going above and beyond just, just the regular way they think about their finances and retirement and stuff like that. Yep. So, I mean, there's a number of ways, that, there's a number of ways to approach it, but you know, in the end it's much more difficult during, during these, during these times. But I would say in the end, you know, you, you really look at, you know, money and it's one of those kind of fu- foundational things that people are always are always thinking about right and looking at you know the traditional the traditional approach right it 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 creates kind of this you know imbalance as far as what people want to do and what they have to do in order to prepare for their their future so obviously with what we do and this is kind of where I wanted to get into maybe your personal your personal story right when you when you started you know to veer off and go and go independent right and start mm-hmm. you know, teaching and practicing um, outside of uh, you know the the traditional financial planning agency model uh, you obviously discovered you know what 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 we do and really you know i'm assuming you diverted your resources right to practicing these type of 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 principles, practicing these mm-hmm. strategic approaches to to planning, but what was interesting when we when I first met you from a, a personal standpoint, um, you said that your you know your your two biggest sorry your three biggest investments were uh, were your kids right and you because you adopted uh, adopted three three kids <laughs> right I remember, That's I, funny. remember yeah, I remember yeah you, I remember do, you said good that. memory yeah. yeah and you know it's one of those things where you know you you look at what people consider investments and what they use their money for because adopting is not for not you know it's not cheap right right and then obviously having kids not very cheap either right mm-hmm. they're saying it's like two hundred fifty two thousand uh, dollars to raise a child from zero to eighteen years old today so you look at you know really you know what what you've done and how you've used some of these concepts maybe maybe touch on that. When it comes to your professional life and or your personal life and what you've you know what you've used policy loans for what you've used the you know the financing concept for okay so yeah so basically before i was doing the traditional things you know i had i had the the 401k the pension you know at the company that i was at roth iras um, um you know those types of things so when i left you know i i was probably more aggressive than some would be but i i got rid of them because um, to me, it made, didn't make sense to me to have those anymore, um, because of, you know, lack of liquidity mm-hmm. as an example was a big thing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, taxation, 
was a big thing, you know, future taxation, especially on the 401k, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so I wanted more access to my money and, um, and that made more sense to me because, because I always, you know, when I learned the concept of lost opportunity cost, right, which we're familiar with, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it just didn't make sense to have your money locked up. Mm-hmm. So, so I figured out ways to move my money around and make it more available mm-hmm. so I could have those opportunities, um, whether it be, you know, purchasing real estate or, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, adopting kids, yeah. things like that. So I've used my policies. So obviously I've got a, m- a lot of money flowing into policies. I've got 13 policies, mm-hmm. uh, that I own amongst our family of five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've used policy loans for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, some of the adoption costs I've used it for, um, paying for cars, paying for, um, you know, usually big ticket items. I, mm-hmm. I don't use it for small things, but mm-hmm. for big ticket items, I love to camp trailers, you know, camping trailers. That's the only way I can get my wife to go is to have, <laughs> if you a, have a nice trailer and to have a bathroom in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> she's, she's not about the dirt holes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so <laughs> So it's, it's enabled me to, uh, to, to buy those things cause I would mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. but, but it, it's more efficient way of doing it mm-hmm. and using the policy loans and then having the money continue to work for me inside there. Yep. Uh, I like being able to get the best of both worlds. Yep. And I would um, say, you know, you, you look at what you just said and you're like, that's not, a, that's not an investment. That's, you know, that's, that's a, it's a trailer, right? There's no, no cash flow that comes off of, it. there's no, you know, remuneration other than, you know, your, your memories, right? Or the mm-hmm. experience. But I would say that those are the biggest, those are the biggest investments. And I think that's really where the disconnect is with most people is that they look at, you know, really their, their investment is something outside of their life, right? Their investment is, you know, in this mutual fund or in this ETF or in this gold fund or in this, you know, piece, piece of real estate. Uh, not to say that any of those are, are, are inherently bad, right? But again, it's the purpose behind that, right? What is the purpose in doing that? Is the purpose um, to, you know, to invest in mutual fund because it has a good philosophy about the, the companies that it buys, right? Or to invest in the, in the property because it provides amazing housing to people. I mean, what is, the, what is the true underlying purpose? And I think in the end, really, if you look at what we're all striving to, to get as, as human beings is, is fulfillment, right? right? And fulfillment comes in so many different forms, right? It, and, it, and it's different for everybody. But in the end, I think you look at, you know, fulfillment for you, right? It is having children, Right, having those memories, right? Can you put a price? Can you put a, a, a rate of return on that? No, you no. can't, right? But the opportunity cost associated with that, you also can't put a price on. But it's pretty steep. And typically, having kids versus not having kids, you know, especially for you or some people that you know share similar philosophies, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of fulfillment where who knows what type of impact that had, right? That affected your business, right? Or affected other parts of your life or affected relationships. So I think oftentimes, you know, as as people really they segment their finances into these, you know these financial planning models, right? They, they now have a personal life, which is affected by it. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. a huge opportunity cost. Whereas with what we teach, you know, we're, we're big about, you know, do a uh, kind of a family fund or a family uh, banking concept where you, you have a a store of money that's earning interest. It's earning a tax free, it's earning dividends, but yet you have access to it to, um, to have a second home, have access to it, to do an RV, have access to it, to go on vacation. And those memories, provide fulfillment that make you more happier 
and more uh, and more productive. And that productivity in turn helps increase the amount of income that you're earning, right? So I, I think in the end, I mean, the alternative side of financial you know financial planning or what you know or, or advice and you know some of the concepts that we use, right? It's not just about you know this product versus that product. It really becomes a a mindset, and it has to become really a, a part of life to be able to to use this this concept appropriately. So. Maybe as until we you know transition into Pokemon, why don't you you know maybe give an idea of how how using you know what we teach using strategies using these concepts how it's affected the way that you look at opportunities ways that you look at uh, using the money ways that it, you've you know looked at your family differently because of it. Okay, so um, I'd say I'd say um, you know before I started thinking this way, it was a lot about focusing on you know how much I need to sock away so I can have X amount of money, you know, down the road. And so there was a lot of focus on that, a lot of focus on retirement, a lot of focus on down the road. And, and, and the truth is, is if you run the numbers and stuff, even the traditional way of looking at numbers, you got to sock away a lot of money and get good rates of return consistently to truly retire at a decent uh, standard of living nowadays. I mean, you just do. And so, and so, um, so yeah, you, you can become you can become you know retirement rich if you will, and and you do eliminate a lot of things that you could be doing to build memories, mm-hmm. and so um, so for me when I transitioned and I've always you know been very focused on family and stuff like that that's that's more important to me than mm-hmm. than money yep. um, and the time that you get to spend for me time's the biggest thing, and so to have access to money when you need it so you don't um, feel like you've got to be working 60 hours a week every week and you know a lot of these things that's what's important to me other people that's not important they Mm -hmm. they're happy to do it um so what i found is is you got to find what what you want out of life you know and, and 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 key in on those things and then create your planning around that yep um and traditional financial planning is very much in one box and if you don't want what they want which is you know sock away a bunch of money get great returns and try to retire someday. Yep. The fact is, you don't even know if you'll be alive no. to see that money. Dude, it's such a contra- so, dude. It's such a contradiction, right? And and Brennan, well, let's let's make a note to put uh, put the jelly bean video on the the show notes, uh, which is basically just like a five minute video that breaks down your entire life into into jelly beans. Like I said in the beginning, and it essentially like carves out you know this amount for sleeping, this amount for you know taking a shower, this amount for you know all all the different things you do, this amount for work and there's so many there's so few of them that's really left for everything else and what's uh, the contradiction is you know or the, it just doesn't make that doesn't make sense to me is you you spend your most productive years your most lively years when you have the most energy right you're the most creative your brain is functioning right you spend that time socking away money to have memories during the period of time where you aren't mobile you aren't productive. Your brain's not working properly. Your body's not working properly, right? Your kids are all gone, right? So I, I look at sometimes the sacrifice that people make to be fulfilled, to have a happy life, to have a productive life, right? Just to save, just to put money and save money. And I'm not saying not do that, right? What I'm saying is that is responsible. It is important to put money away. Mm-hmm. But what if you could put uh, more or the same or less money away, 
right, have all the memories, all the fulfillment during their life, and actually retire sooner with a higher amount of money with a more certain income. I mean, that's that's yeah. really the message that we're trying to, to convey to people is that you don't have to sacrifice doing that. Um, and that might be the compelling reason. Like I said, most some people, they don't care. They love working, right? Their babies, their kids is their business, right? Or it's their bank account. That's that's totally fine. That's that but if you know if if you are resonating with the message and you see, you know, hey, I, I want to be fulfilled. I want to do those those fun things. And yeah, I have resources, but I want to touch them because then uh, you know, I won't have the lifestyle that I want, you know, years and years down the road. And I would say you know, years and years down the road, that lifestyle, you're never going to know what lifestyle you want, right? It's impossible to predict what's going to happen 10, 20, 30 years. You could try, right? But is it really going to be exactly how you think right now? I would say probably not. Yeah. So really taking advantage of the moment and being fulfilled in the moment, you can do that at the same time as you're being responsible for your future. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. And then, you know, one of the other things that I always think about with that is um, I volunteered for my church for a while and it was every Friday um, and it took up most of the day on Fridays for a few years. And a guy that I work with there, he said to me, we talked about, you know, the time that I'm spending there versus working and, and making money. And then we also talked about coaching youth sports because yep. he was he was a dad that's already raised his kids. I'm a dad raising kids and mm -hmm. coaching. And it takes a lot of time to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, his advice to me was, you know what, they're, they're only young once and it's going to be in the blink of an eye that yep. these guys, these kids are gone. Take the time, do it now. You have plenty of time to work if you need to. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And and I took it to heart, man. And I and and when you couple that that time is precious to me, time with my family and the kids. Yep. So when when you when you can then also allow or create your finances in a, in such a way like we talked about, where not only can you access that money to allow you to have the time, mm -hmm. but it's also continuing to grow for the future that's, you know, that's almost having your cake and eating it too. Yep. And it makes it a lot easier to do those things, um, you know, to take the time and, and, and do those fun things and build the memories. Cool. Uh, so let's, and again, going kind of into, you know, this, this direction, I mean, they, these are the, the underlying, in my opinion, the underlying issues with, with where people are at financially. And oftentimes, I think that you know when you are educating a person when you're trying to get them you know interested in, in what we in what we do, you get to the you get to the point where you know it's just, it is not compelling enough, uh, and I think in our day and age there's so much there's so much going on there's so much information it's kind of like people are in information overload and that's kind of the paradox of. Uh, of choices, right? We, I think we value choices. We value, you know, our freedom to, to make certain choices. But at the same time, when you have so many choices, so many things that you could do, what do we typically default to, right? We default to just not thinking and we default to, you know, the Pokemon game, right? Where, you know, I just heard about this where you, you have people in car crashes and people, you know, jumping in, into lakes and you have, you know, people banning, you know, you, you, uh, banning people from going inside of their institution because there's Pokemon points there or whatever. You know, people default to really these these brainless activities. Not to make fun of everybody, I'm, I'm not, but this is really the environment that we're in. There, people just default to just doing kind of monotonous things that don't require thinking and don't want to really sit down and take the responsibility of, uh, you know, of knowing where they're at, setting goals, and really living yeah. living their life. And you know, I think the the message that we're trying to to convey is. You know, there's this is you know it's a we have a finite amount of time here, right? And I think there are some common things that that fulfill us and make us happy. Uh, there's and but.
But in the end, I think everybody has those those things, those variables that will get them to to that point. Uh, and really, because the modern society that we live in, money is is the catalyst to get there. So you really have to, you have a couple of choices, right? You actually, I'm going to say maybe uh, three choices. The first choice is you go the traditional route, right? And we spend a ton of time with the traditional route, right? And saying, listen, you put money here, and you put money here, and put money here. Here's what you're trying to accomplish. Okay, this is what you're going to get. Okay, and then showing what all our, our alternative is. Okay, here's what you get here. Here's how it's different. Okay, and I think that's you know what we've always worked with. But there's been something that is that is really risen since uh, 2008 and 2009, which is you do have a lot of pessimism when it comes to uh, what's going on with our political environment, right? Yeah. And maybe I don't know. Maybe it's been way before that. It just but because of you know the the communication age that we're in, mm-hmm. it's kind of gone like parabolic. It's gone, you know, it's, it grows exponentially just because when somebody is. I, mean, I was I was uh, you know in my bathroom uh, the other day, and I get this notification: Obama is live. And I can I just clicked on there, and there he was, you know, in Europe, uh, you know, live, mm-hmm. right? So you have communication in real time these days. So that's why I'm saying, you know, you have a a, a political environment, a monetary environment. When we talked about Brexit uh, last week on the podcast, you have so many of these, you know, these things going on that make people very concerned and afraid, right? Of you know, the dollar is going to crash, or we're going to have hyperinflation, or, uh, you know, the the president is going to bankrupt the country, or this person has this agenda, which is going to hurt us there. What if, you know, maybe, and I didn't prepare you for this, but what if, as you know, since 2008, 2009, where you've seen people that have had these, you know, concerns, how have you maybe sympathized with those and, and addressed those? Those that are, you know, hey, the dollar is going to crash, and it's no longer going to be the reserve currency, and, you know, the, the government's going to default on its, you know, massive, massive debt what how have you approached those subjects well uh you know definitely you can get into detail with people and 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 talk about histories and things like that or you can keep it more simple i mean i had some people that i knew a handful of people during those time periods one guy he uh pretty much uh got rid of everything he had financially and bought silver um what would you call it not pieces, but just silver bullion, or well, it's like the the, the shredded pieces of silver, or something like oh, junk, junk silver. Okay. Yeah, basically right. truckload. He got rid of all of his investments mm-hmm. and went and bought a couple dump trucks full of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, what am I going to do about that? It's like, okay, that, that's how you feel, mm-hmm. and that's the reality. If that's how he feels, he wants to do it. Now, that's a little extreme. Mm-hmm. But that actually happened with a guy that I knew. It was wow. interesting. Um, <laughs> and then some people do a little, you know, they'll go buy gold or silver or other things and and take part of their money and do it. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen that. That's that's more common. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones that are really freaked out about it, um, you know, as far as thinking that the dollar is going to just have no value tomorrow and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe the simplest way is, is probably if that were the case you know, you got a lot bigger problems probably than, than the dollar. In other words, it's, it's time for where's your food storage and, and everything else. So, cause that's one extreme they're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. If the, if the dollar just tanks on us tomorrow. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I have that conversation quite a bit and, uh, you know, where we live here, a lot of, you know, pretty conservative place, Mm -hmm. probably get that conversation more More than, more often than others. Um, for me personally, um, I'm I'm not buying dump trucks full of silver and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm uh, 
but I do prepare in other ways too yep. uh, for really bad times. Mm-hmm. So that's probably where my conversations go more often than not as opposed to getting into detail about values of this and values yep. of that and histories of this and that. Yep. Well, I think so, it also you know, it goes to the, the topic that we've been you know, really discussing, which is you know, we're, we're preparing for a future which is un, uncertain, yeah. right? And in, in doing that, you, you have opportunity costs, right? Because you make a decision, there is a cost by uh, you know, not making another decision, right? So if you just do decide to you know, do dump trucks of, of silver and sell all of your stuff, right? What's, what's the cost in, in doing that, right? Now, if everything plays out exactly how they think, right? For sure. Great, you know, great strategy, yeah. right? But do things ever play out the way that we think, right? No. no. And no. so that's where I look at, you know, you're right. Cause I, I share a lot of the, I share a lot of concerns, right? You look at, the more you understand about money, the more under, you understand about uh, politics, the more you understand about, you know, how an economy works, uh, how a monetary system works. You look at the state of ours, right? there, there are definitely concerns there. Uh, and, you know, taking decisive action, right, is, I think is important, but at the same time, taking it where it's solely on, based on one outcome, right, you're, you're setting yourself up for, you know, throwing everything on black at the craps table, and if you don't hit it, you're, you're gone. And so really, I think you look at the, the, just the, the nature of uh, a modern society and, and where we're going, it's anybody's guess, right? You look at, you know, uh, um, Moore's law and how computing power, and you look at biotech and nanotech. Uh, you look at you know other industries that are you know pioneering paths for cheap healthcare, or pioneering paths for you know zero expense transportation or zero. You know our friend uh, Mike Dillard is you know he developed this uh, this uh, hydroponic system that you put in your house. And you basically can grow your own food and save, you know, the six to ten thousand dollars a year that you're spending on produce, which hmm. is coming out next year. So you have all of this innovation that's taking place, which, you know, who knows what that's going to do to the, the the government debt? You know, who knows what is going to happen? You know, halfway across the world, right? So there's so many different things that are going on at the same time. What what do we default to, right? As a you know, as as a uh, a plan, right, or a strategy? And I say you can't default to one thing. Right. And that's where, you know, you said you have insurance, you have plans for if everything goes amazing, you have your plan for that. If everything goes to crap, you have your plan for that. Right. If there is massive inflation, you have a plan for that. Maybe holding some gold and some some silver. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what about deflation? What's your plan for that? Deflation, cash is king. Right. That's where cash is valuable. During everything, really, it comes down to just a properly structured strategy that really prepares you for you know what's to come. But in the end, I would say that you know really the the reason to make a decision here, make a decision there, or make a decision in another location, it really comes down to edu- education, right? So the more educated you are, the better decisions that you're that you're going to make, and that's become kind of our of our our mantra. Yeah. But in the end, I mean, it, it's that's this is what's fascinating about you know human life. Right. This is fascinating about why, you know, why we're here and what we're what we're doing is we get to get up every morning and figure things out. Right. We go to bed the night before and it's you know, the, the next day is is unknown. 
right? What are we going to do? What decisions are we going to are we going to make? But in the end, as you look at you know what you've done and how you've planned uh, with clients, and you've met with you know thousands of people over time, right? What do you, what are you trying to what are you trying to accomplish with them, right? When you meet with them the first time and you're trying to open their eyes to the resources that you have, what is you know what one of the underlying objectives in, in doing that to help them? Well, obviously, education is huge, and we spend a lot of time on that, like you're saying. Uh, one of the things that's, I guess, when I meet with clients is is we put together a wish list, and um, basically, these are the things that they care about, right? Like we've talked earlier. Um, so, you know, whether it's cabins in the mountains or paying for kids' college or spending more time with loved ones, whatever it is, we want to we wanna clarify what they care about in life. And then through education and then planning with some some of the strategies, we, we say, look, you know, by now that you understand how this works and how it affects everything else you're doing, is that a good thing for you to help you hit those goals that you have? Or is it going to take you further away from those things? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a great measuring stick for us um, as we do the the planning and the, the education. Mm-hmm. So that's that's probably the way, that's probably the things that the clients like working with me most that I get feedback from is they, they a lot of times I hear them say, I feel like you showed me things that helped me basically achieve what I care about and not what you're trying to sell, you're trying to push. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I, you know, you've, you've, you've been able to educate me and it makes sense as to why I would make those decisions because it's going to help me get what I want. Yep. And that way I don't have to fight with clients. I don't have to argue with clients, um, uh, about who's right and who's wrong or, you know, whose brother-in-law is selling this. And, and he said this or that, like, I don't need it. Yep. it. It's like, you know, is it helping you get there or not? Yep. And, uh, so that's probably the core thing that I do with my clients that, and I like having good relationships with them. That's one of the things that I hated about traditional financial planning and money management was in 2001. You know, I remember, I remember I saw a guy, um, he lost some money in, in one of our accounts, you know, back in the mutual fund heydays yep. when everybody's earning 26% without getting out of bed. <laughs> um, you know, everybody lost money. And then somehow, you know, I see him on a, on a, a shuttle going to the airport and, you know, he's, he's got a little bit of an issue with me and I'm sitting here going, I don't like this. Mm-mm. This is not, this is not what I signed up for. Yep. You know what I mean? And that was actually one of my first, uh, probably defining moments with, with that kind of planning where there's a lot of risk is I don't want that relationship with clients. Yep. Um, so you that don't want to tell people that you've lost their money. Yeah. I, I don't ever want to tell people I have to lost their money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's stupid. Yep. It's, it's, I don't, I don't enjoy that. Yep. I'll let somebody else tell them that, you know, <laughs> if they want to go somewhere else. They so, don't go that route. Yeah, but in that, that what route. you said is profound. I mean, and I think we can, we can conclude with this, but you know, really, if you if you look at the the traditional planning models, they're accomplishing unobjective, right? Uh, you know, I, I think because there's a guy that we go to the gym with that uh, there's a Wells Fargo advisor, right? And you know, his his philosophy and perspective is: listen, you're you're putting money aside for a future outcome, right? You're putting the money aside 20, 30, 40 years in the future uh, to to live off of, right? There's there's a certain outcome there, but really, again, as I said before, what's the co- what's the cost of what's the cost of doing that? Are you going to actually accomplish? Your, you know, he's bigger than me. That's why, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> fisticuffs. But no, I'm just kidding. But you know, it's it's really, you know, what what does the future hold? And do the sacrifices um, 
do they, you know, is, is it is it worth them, right? Is the cost, if you really understand what those costs are, are you willing to uh, sacrifice those costs, right, just for those future for those future outcomes? And it really comes with any anything that you put your money into and what you and what you do with it. But but anyway, Jeff, it's awesome to ha- to have you on, have you in the office. Yeah, you thanks. Have, you have a great you know insight into things. We didn't get into hockey. We can get into lacrosse next time. We can, next in, time. We can get in. We can get in next time, which we, which we both kind of have a mutual affinity for. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but it was awesome to have you on. Any any final final words before uh, before we part? Uh, no, I think that's it. I, I did I did want to say one thing that 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 you know makes me really think about what you hit on was I did have a client that that we did some planning with, um, and and he kind of wanted to do the traditional planning route. So we sold him an insurance policy a long time ago. He died at about age 52 mm-hmm. with some bad drugs mixed up, uh, meaning legal drugs, just prescription drugs, drugs, prescription drugs. Yep. And, but that's a great example of all their money was just every month saving, saving, saving away. And they didn't live much of a life and it was unfortunate. And he dies at 52. Yep. Um, so it happens a lot. And, and that's something that people really ought to think about is how can we enjoy today, tomorrow, you know, and, and the future. And, and the future. Yep. And there's a so. way to do it. But yeah. yet, again, yep, there it, is. It, it's different. It requires a lot of outside the box. Yep. That's a great, that's a great point. Yep. And, you know, again, that's, as I said before, it's like really having a game plan for multiple outcomes. Yep. So, so I appreciate being here. Thanks, Pat. Okay. Well, uh, so kind of on a final note, you know, if you're a new listener, we have some, we have a bunch of resources on our on our webpage. Go check it out. We have a new e-learning program that's up. That's called uh, Infinite 101. Uh, and also, you know, go back and listen to, to previous podcasts if you like what you hear. Uh, definitely give us a, a shout out on iTunes. Those rankings uh, always always help us. Uh, but anyway, thanks uh, for those that are on uh, our, our Facebook live feed, and uh, and also uh, thank you to those uh, that are that are listening. And we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial.